Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's me, Mike. How the fuck are ya? Hey, last night I was in Marrickville. I went to a place called the Factory Theatre, Marrickville, Sydney, And I saw this incredible band called All Our Exes Live in Texas. If you get the chance to see these four girls, they are dead set legends. They toured the States with Midnight Oil recently, knocked them dead, and are going back to Tennessee to play some shows and touring around Australia. So if you get the chance, you see it pop up somewhere. All Our Exes Live in Texas. Great songs, and the girls are piss funny. They are hilarious right throughout the show. Loved it. And their uh, support act is called Port. Uh, Irish band. Those guys are amazing as well. So all our exes live in Texas. Go and see the girls. Okay, uh, a couple of things I've got coming up, which I'd love you to pop along to. Uh, Tuesday at midday in Tweed Heads, I'll be with the New South Wales State of Origin team. Come and cheer them on. Best of three, last game coming up, and they could win. But seriously, I hope they don't win because I'm a Queensland fan, but I'm trying to sound excited because I have to work with them as the MC. I'll probably have to be a traitor and wear a New South Wales jersey and get up and say, yay, let's over New South Wales. <laughs> don't tell anyone. Actually, to, um, to keep you quiet, so you don't tell anyone, and you're nearby, come down to Amart Sports Tweed Heads at midday, and uh, first 10 people to come up to me and say, hey, Mike, I know you're really a Queensland fan. I'll give you an Amart Sports gift voucher hat and drink bottle for free. Yes. Thanks to our good friends at Amart Sports. The best sports brands at the lowest prices, guaranteed. Yeah, that's me doing those ads. Been doing them for like 20 years now. God, I love Amart Sports. Legends. Uh, Tuesday night. Yes, I know that's Tuesday uh, in Funnel, New South Wales. But Tuesday night, I'm in Sydney debating, having a big masturbate at TV Talks, which is this regular thing that they do at the Australian Film and Television Radio School where people in the TV industry chat about, debate about different things going on in the TV industry. And I am in the team that is for the subject, which is Internet Killed the TV Star. So we'll be debating about that, which should be a hell of a lot of fun because I absolutely do agree the internet is killing off the TV star. Look at all these YouTube kids. they got millions of people shooting on the little camera in Bankstown in their bedroom, millions of people watching. They spent nothing on that crappy little camera and they'll spend tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars on shows like The Voice and they're lucky to even crack the million mark. So yes, internet is definitely killing the TV star. You can get tickets for that for Tuesday night at Eventbrite or just go to my website on themic.com. Please subscribe to this podcast and leave a cheeky review. We love you if you do that. Maybe even send you a bottle of Goldman Wines. We have 10 to give away this week. Goldman Wines from the Hunter Valley. Um, Michael Goldman is his name and uh, used to run uh, Tyrrell's Wines for years with his sons, but went off and started his own thing. And it's the best wines in the business. Let me tell you, if you like red wine, this organic red that they've got, Sablanc, it will knock your socks off. Goldmanwines.com.au or uh, on the mic.com to see more about that. Okay, today I got to catch up with a good mate of mine who I hung out with a little bit in LA, a little bit in Australia. I've known him for a few years now, Josh Horner. He was a judge on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, he let some cats out of the bag about Dancing with the Stars in this podcast. About his other judges who he hated. They hated him. Um, he's a Disney choreographer for Disney in the USA. Uh, he's got a TV show called Oh My Josh, which is hilarious. It's on in the US on Hulu, which is like a Netflix. Well worth taking a look. I believe it's going to pop up on one of the, uh, the channels or streaming shows here as well, like an Amazon Prime or something like that. Speaking of which, have you seen Amazon Prime? It's just started up in Australia. And I've been watching this show on there called The Man in the High Castle. It is incredible. It's as if the U.S. were beaten in World War II by the Japanese. So the East Coast is occupied by the Germans, and the West Coast is occupied by the Japanese. I don't want to give away too much, but it's well worth having a look. The Man in the High Castle on Amazon Prime. Billy Bob Thornton's got a show there as well worth checking out. Okay, Josh Horner, Dancing with the Stars, Judge. He also talks about my movie Shooting Goldman, which you can watch for free on Vimeo, he was at the USA premiere at Paramount Studios. You want to see it for free? It's a full-on feature. 
It's got Cam Knight in it, the stand-up comedian, playing a serious role. You know, the guy from Unreal Estate on Channel 9? Well, if you want to see it, it's on my website, onthemic.com, right there on the front page. Okay, here's Josh Horner. Check. One, two, three. On the mic. Test, test, test. With Mike Goldman. Josh, you're back in Australia now, and you've been living in the States for years. What did you come back for? I miss my mum. Oh. I wanted to have a cup of tea. And there was something else you're missing too. <laughs> what What was that? You were telling me last night at the Twinings launch on the boat, and I introduced you to the boss of the marketing, the, the marketing boss of Red Rooster, because... I miss warm chicken rolls, <laughs> which are now called rooster rolls, which yeah. some people call them rooter rolls. Yeah, because you were talking about maybe dressing up in a chicken outfit and doing some ads for Red Rooster. Is, is that what you're here for in Australia now? I have actually moved back to Australia because I'd be more deeply honoured to work for Red Red Rooster as their full-time, you know, campaign person that um, we were actually discussing and anyone who does love Red Rooster will know what I'm talking about is they have changed the coleslaw and it's wrong. It, it's wrong. And that is exactly what this entire podcast will be about. Just, Bad coleslaw. Yeah. Just to talk about the coleslaw just quickly. We found out last night that they have actually put more vegetable content into the coleslaw <laughs> and the majority of people are upset because they're not having the chemically induced coleslaw, which is what we all fell in love with as children. So. I would like to even maybe start a silent petition to bring back the old coleslaw. Bring back all the sloppy juices that aren't real healthy food and, yeah. and get, get that healthy, proper vegetables out of there. Hey, Josh Horner, you're a bit of a legend in the dance world and in the TV world. Uh, just off the top of my head, let me see if I can remember little things about your career and you can correct me and tell me if I'm wrong or tell me what I need to add to it. You've... you've predominantly studied uh, as a dancer from like the age of six. Your, your parents took you to and from dance classes, probably feeding you all that junk food along the way. And Yes, because what, what happened was when I turned 12 years old, mm-hmm. I went to David Atkins Dynamite Dance Studios in Sydney. And because- Dynamite! Yeah, and I lived in Wyong, so it was an hour and 15 minute drive. So mm-hmm. after school, mum and dad had no chance to like cook for me. So I actually, from the age of 12, grew up on McDonald's KFC Pizza Hut. And that was when Pizza Hut was a restaurant where you could actually go in and sit down and they also had the all you can eat which was awesome miss those days do pizza hut have all you can eat deals they used to have kind of like a sizzler s type thing pay one fee and you could eat as much as you want that's pretty good hey um yeah so back to your career uh sorry because we keep going back to fast food which which i love we didn't talk about oh my josh oh what's oh my josh the movie no how's this little ballet boy from Wyong Mm. gets to get a full-on like own tv show in america Mm. i don't know how it really happened but it happened so i got this five episode uh kind of comedic docu-series in a digital form so like short episodes but hey it still happened and it's this show called oh my josh so josh tell me about this amazing series that you have in america (laughs) called oh my josh and congratulations that is insane i know a five episode docu-series that is comedic apparently because people think i'm funny you are funny i'm funny looking i go around teaching people how to dance i have sort of uh weird ways of making people learn how to dance and move and it followed me also going on dates and getting fat and just living in america it also filmed me opening up the art house in wyong my hometown so it followed me flying home and then coming back um it was kind of just a you know tacky follow josh horner teach people how to dance. It was it was a very nice thing. I taught this uh, Asian scientist. His name was Brian Wu. And he wanted to do a dance for his wife at the baby shower for his wife. And so I had to teach him how to dance with two of his mates. And we did this whole surprise thing. And she got surprised and she cried. And so it was actually a, it's a real feel-good show. There's no real like serious major drama. Uh, maybe a dance at a baby shower. I know. That's what it, he said. He goes, she's gifting me a baby. So I want to give a gift to her. That's so sweet. So where can we see that in Australia? I reckon I'll just put it on YouTube. We'll put it on YouTube and have a little link that people can watch it. Oh, no, no, we won't. I need to try and sell it to someone. Like Apparently, Freeform, Foxtel buys a lot of Freeform. Freeform's the network that the show is on. So Foxtel buys a lot of Freeform's content, but um, it's really hard. I'm just going to do it illegally and just like put it up. You can't say that because now you've incriminated yourself. Oh, well, you can I be honest? I don't think anyone's going to give a shit anyway. Yeah, I'm thinking that with my movie shooting Goldman as well. It's done Your movie film festivals Goldman. around the world. I, I need I need to get it out there so people can actually see it. 
Everyone has to see Shooting Goldman. I got the pleasure to go to the premiere in LA, and we're on a freaking... Where were we? Paramount? Mm -hmm. We're on Paramount Movie Lot. You're having your premiere, and it's the weirdest movie ever because it shows you how we know you from Big Brother and your radio uh, old voiceover announcing and stuff, and there's this whole other side of you that you want to be taken seriously as an actor. And then the movie flips... And it is you acting. And then there's, what, three or four different endings? or three, And you don't know which is the real ending. And you're fucking creepy as fuck in the movie. <laughs> you go from Mr. Nice Guy that we feel the warmth of your voice coming through and making us feel warm downstairs. You know. Hello. All, hello. It's all good. And then you just turn around and you're a fucking, like, serious, hardcore actor. You're, you're an interesting creature, actually. You're very interesting. Me and you, we have our on personality, which mm. is like we're on stage, we're on camera, we're whatever. But then when you're off, you're actually, you're actually kind of this quiet, like just goes through life. Just the time I've spent with you, there's so many like exciting things that happen, but you just go, oh, Josh, yeah, there's a free beer for you over there. And Josh, come to this event here. And yeah, <laughs> like you just kind of, it just kind of happens and you don't really show huge emotion. And then sometimes... <laughs> I go, is that that fucking weirdo that I watched in that movie? And I'm like, is he going to come out with a gun and like shoot me or something? I don't know. You never know. I might have a gun. But yeah, okay, I'm going to stick that up online. And, yes. and as long as you stick your show up online. We can stick we'll, it up we'll, each other. We'll, 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 I mean, together. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll stick it up yours and you stick it up. I mean, so you stick my show up and I'll let's just put our own shows up. <laughs> And uh, and get people to watch it because that's why you make great stuff, not so you can put it away and no one can see it. I think the director, Tony Prescott, who um, also wrote it and edited it and put it all together, he uh, it's supposed to be about you, this podcast, we're talking about me no, now. I like this. He wanted to have it in as many film festivals around the world and get a distribution deal and have it play in cinemas. But the thing is, and I was just listening to your podcast with Guy Ritchie and Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan's the big M- the MMA commentator in the States uh-huh. and stand-up comedian and you know Guy Ritchie who made all those amazing movies he used to be with Madonna Guy Ritchie was saying it's even hard for him to get his movies out there now because you've got these big brands like Star Wars and X-Men and all these films that have got the screens all over the Hoyts and the big cinemas across the world booked up for the next five years so sometimes he'll make a film and it's like oh we can't put it out for another two or three years and even then they'll say oh we just got the new Star Wars film we have to put yours back another six months or something like that so that's why film festivals are so important nowadays to get films and stories out there that you, you just don't see as much and it's so good that we've got the Netflix and the Hulus and the Stands and all these other places where you can watch these films that go straight there as well um, I just want to say another thing, mm-hmm. just in terms of getting your stuff out there. And anyone who is listening would should feel this. What I, One of the biggest things I learned in America is, <laughs> that sounds weird, but the celebration of self mm-hmm. and others. When someone has a project or a creative outlet or something that they are trying to get out there, I found what big difference between us Aussies yeah. and Americans is they're very, very supportive of it and very excited for the other person. And I know that sometimes here in Australia, we do suffer our tall poppy syndrome. But I really would love to see that change that, you know, you see it kind of with like YouTube stars and stuff that that celebration of self is kind of a little bit sometimes too much. But if people could be a little more supportive of each other's projects and not try and tear it down going, oh, he just got that because he knows someone. Yeah, I mean, that's an Australian thing. And the best way to sum it up, I think, is when I was in the States, I saw a guy pull up at the traffic lights in a $700,000 Ferrari and everyone's walking past going, nice car. Nice car, man. That's awesome. And in Australia, they pull up at the lights. People look at him and go, yeah, wanker. Yeah, toss up. But you mentioned YouTube before. And and if if we in Australia could have the same mentality as the YouTube kids who are a community. So there's so many dancers, especially in the dance world on YouTube. I know a few of them. Megan Batoon in LA. She's she's a dancer, but she only had a few followers on YouTube. Then she hung out with a few other dance mates who had millions of followers. Those followers followed her because they're friends. And it's a community. You're all helping each other out. But here it's like, oh yeah, he got that show because he knows someone. Like you said, it, it's uh, it is a real a real shame, and I'd love to see people work closer together like that. Yeah, well, there's another there's another problem that I find. I don't know other people might relate to this, but there is also the potential that we're oversaturating each other because there's so many 
everyone's fighting for their eyeballs and time to watch all mm. these great shows and YouTube stuff. It's interesting watching the younger generation though, mm. because I watch my nephew. He comes home from school and the first thing he does is he like <laughs> wants an ice cream or something. And then he just plays and watches YouTube channels. And he literally will watch people play video games. Mm. And then it's just all YouTube stuff. He doesn't even watch anything on television. I think what is going to change, I think, in the next 10 years in Australia, probably sooner, I hope, is that we're going to start looking towards Asia as you know a place where we can get our content out to and share our shows, especially dance, because dance is a universal language. And, I mean, the States, you've got 300 million people, and so there's a, a massive market there to do heaps of stuff. But here in Australia, we only got like 26, 27 million or something like that. We've got a few million in New Zealand or whatever. But once we can just go up the road to Indonesia, where there's 230 million people, they don't all speak English, obviously. But if we can come up with show ideas that will be able to be played in Indonesia, then that opens up so much more money. And also in in China and India... It's called porn. Not just porn. A porn would be illegal over there, I think. But because I've got a couple of friends who have got businesses over in Indonesia, like video production, and the the opportunities there are endless, especially for shows like yours and like cooking shows. And I mean, they all got to learn how to cook and watch cooking shows as well. Like the number one show over there in Indonesia at the moment is MasterChef, or is it My Kitchen Rules? I think it's My Kitchen Rules. One of those shows anyway. But yeah, I I think we need to, because we only have a small population here in Australia compared to the rest of the world, is look at ways of getting into those Asian markets to be able to, to, to push ourselves to, you know, make more content for them as well. You reckon? We're going to be gazillionaires. We're going to be gazillionaires. Actually, uh, the guy that I was talking to uh, the other day, his name's Henry. He's got a production company called HJ Productions. Don't say it. Hand job. Hand job. No, I said don't say it. Oh. So he uh, has the rights to this new app. It's called Haiku, but it's not out in Australia yet. Where if you're watching a show, it takes... It can take free-to-air TV through this app and you can click on the screen and buy what the people are wearing. So they do a deal with Neighbours where they say, okay, everyone in Neighbours has got to wear clothes from Kmart. And so you'd be watching a show on your phone or you watch it on the TV and your phone at the same time. You click on the jacket of some one of the actors who's yeah. wearing it and you just buy it straight off the Kmart website. And, and it also opened up a video of that actor going, oh, you like my jacket? Oh, well, it'll be at your place in the next couple of days. I uh, This is really disturbing and I don't mean to be like this, but I was watching a documentary on Netflix about a kid that went missing in the state many years ago. And when he went missing, he was wearing the most fabulous vintage Adidas little puffer vest. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to get it. And I really, I really wanted to get that vest. But I so you didn't want to save the kid. You just wanted to well, find him and get the vest. Unfortunately, I think he's dead. Oh. May, may he rest in peace. But I really wanted that vest. It was really good. And I thought, how disturbed is that, that I actually was looking at something fashionable while I'm watching a documentary about someone going missing. But you could click on that documentary. If I had high and, and, and you could you could actually buy the jacket of the kid that went missing. And the money would probably go to his family or to some crime unit that can find other kids that are missing. I just want to just put a little footnote into this story that when the kid went missing, apparently the mother said he came when he was 18 years old, he came back and she saw him and had an hour with him and then he had to go away because it was there was something going to go on. But it was very weird. That was a ghost. No. She, do you reckon? Or maybe she just thought she saw him. Maybe know. she dreamt it. Anyway. it would send you pretty crazy if you lost a kid. I've got to tell you something. So just related to this story. Mm. Listen, listen, the cat's pissing. Driving down to Sydney from Wyong this mm. weekend mm. to come and like, you know, meet up with you. Yeah. I was on the M1, yeah. which is the old F3, mm. and just past Hawkesbury River, yeah. I saw a puffer jacket <laughs> that had the same colours to this Adidas blue red and white mm. vest that I wanted to get from that kid that went missing. Oh, you just saw someone walking the, past. It was on the side of the road. Like, I drove past because, you know, usually you're looking out for kangaroos or wombats or whatever. And as I was driving, I was like, oh, there's something on the road, something on the road. And as I went past, I was like, oh! it was that, it was like similar, it had similar colouring. That's evidence. Oh, but the kid was in the States. He was in the state. Oh. Maybe he came to Australia. I remember mum made me watch this uh, movie called I Know My First Name Was Stephen. And it's basically a movie about being kidnapped and Mm. stuff. And I remember mum watching it, making me watch it just to be like, you know, stranger danger and all that sort of shit. Mm. That's all I have to say about that. So let's get straight to the balls of it. How did you come out? 
Oh, God, I went to Rottnest Island. I went as far away from my parents and the, like, central coast. I went as far away as I could, and I went to Rottnest Island, which is, for those who don't know, it's a little island off Perth. What, about a 90-minute ferry Mm. ride or something? Yeah. So I went over there, and I spent three days. I was 23 years old, and I just basically was sick of lying to everyone, you know, especially my my family. And I went over there for three days, and I basically was like, all right, you have to lie come out and yeah I tell a really funny story about this yeah so I went to Rottnest Island to come out and I was some of the workers at the hotel were we were having beers and playing pool and stuff and when the pub closed he said <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this story um, he said uh, when are you going to tell me you're gay and I was like well actually you're going to be the first person I ever tell or you know admit I am gay and he's like cool good on you and anyway, the pub closes and he's like, oh, let's walk back up to the hotel. And you, you know where this is going. He takes me through this like bush area and he's straight with a wife on the mainland and he grabs my hand and puts it on his crutch and then makes out with me. Right. Okay, cool. So is that why you went all that way for a holiday? Why did you go to Rottnest Island to decide you were going to come out? Because I thought I could go on a long bike ride and just really cry it out. And, and just, think about it. I really think about it. And then meanwhile, the bloody straights are cracking onto me. Did you find that a lot? Do a lot of straight dudes try and crack onto you? Um, <laughs> Mike, you can't put your hand on my leg. Excuse me, what are you talking about? <laughs> Mike is grabbing my titties. Um, okay, that, that's so purely for the uh, theatre of the mind. I find... Uh, yeah, I do actually. I'll be really honest. Really? Well, I kind of... I, comedically, I say that I'm a straight man trapped in a fag's body. Mm. So I... From the Central Coast, I grew up with, you know, lots of straights around me and, you know, we're all bogans and blokes and... Bur- I lived on the Central Coast for years, worked at Coast Rock FM and Coast it's Rock it's FM. it's a little bit of a backward area. Well, it's getting better now that, you know, we've got Westfield and... <laughs> That's just a place for their all to, them all to congregate. <laughs> and waddle up and down. It's a kilometre long. No, I find uh, straight men relate to me. They kind of feel comfortable around me. And, you know, sometimes gay people think it's like you're in their fantasies that the straight guy, you can get a married guy or whatever. Listen, I think people, human beings, we're just all here to have fun and love. I think there's, you know, definitely a scale. There's blokes that are really, really, really straight. And then there's blokes that are, you know, fairy, fairy, fairy. Whatever you are, everyone's got a little dabble. And one person said to me... (laughs) I've never had a little dabble. Well... I've 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 been with girls before, yeah. and I say this to my straight mates all the time. I'm like, it's kind of like Daryl Summers with Northern Territory. You never, never know if you never, never go. <laughs> okay, so I should give it a whirl. Should, yeah. we, should we do it now in the podcast? I, I, I don't think Bianca, my girlfriend, would mind. I can't do it with you because you're uh, you're too you're my friend. I can't do that. I can't. Am I not pretty enough? <laughs> no, you smell. What? Listen, no, 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 no. Yeah, I find. Um, I lost my train of thought now. No, you find the odd straight guy does crack onto you. Fair enough. What was it like at school when you were just sort of thinking, hang on a minute, how do I know that I'm like this? Was there certain things as you were growing up where you went, oh, there's something different about me? Um, I was everyone's friend and my, I was everyone's friend purely out of survival. Like I didn't want to get teased at school. So I thought if I'm friends with everyone, then I'm kind of covering my bases. And I think that's what kind of developed my personality. So I was friends with the surfies, the druggies, the nerds in the library, the bitchy girls, the sassy girls, the nerdy girls. And, um, I actually had a girlfriend on and off again. She's now a lesbian, which is kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Send each other the other way. So it's each other's fault. Yeah. So you've been a part of Dirty Dancing, Billy Elliot, a couple other stage plays I can't remember off the top of my head. The Australian Ballet. I was there for five and a half years. That's where I started. And then when I moved into musical theatre, you're right, Dirty Dancing, Billy Elliot. I did Guys and Dolls in London. Another show called Moving Out in London, which is a really hard dance musical. And then I came back and did a chorus line in Australia. Oh, wow. And didn't you win like Australian Dancer of the Year or something like that? Like Ballet Dancer of the Year? What's the big award you won? Uh... It was an Australian Dance Award for Most Outstanding Performance in a Stage Musical. Oh, oh that's it. Yeah, well, congratulations on that. You. And, and your role probably that you're best known for in Australia is porn. <laughs> no, oh, sorry. Uh, the other other thing, the other video. Yeah, uh, yeah Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, um, yeah I'm a judge. Uh, well, I was a judge for two seasons on Dancing with the Stars. 
What was that like working on that show? Was Sonia Kruger and Dan McPherson as hosts? Yes, I actually know Dan McPherson. So he was, we've been mates since we were 17. Um, Sonia Kruger, I got to, for me, it was very weird. It was kind of like my first time going to New York when you, you know, you watch Sesame Street, but then you get to New York and everything comes to life. So I, you know, used to watch the show and then define myself on the judging panel with Helen and Todd and Sonia was there. It was very interesting for me. I found it. It was kind of stressful, to be honest. Why was it stressful? Um, live television. I was just a musical theatre boy that, you know, got put on live television for the first time and was very uh, concerned about, you know, well, what I learned really quickly was whatever you say, five seconds later, it goes out nationwide mm. and you can't take it back. So Things like, wow, you look like a potato sack or a potato a bedazzled sack of potatoes. Did you say that was a Brina Edelston? You said she looked like a bedazzled potato sack. Yeah. Well, in, when she was dancing, I mean, I had very descriptive waves, and so I just would say what I was thinking. Unfortunately, that turned into like a total shitstorm, and, uh, you know, everyone was angry and weirded out and then there was a very um, interesting dynamic with everyone on the show and but everyone knows a shitstorm equals ratings and the show rated back then when you were on it and then after you left it failed dismally and it's off the air now I'm, well that's very kind of you to say so yeah they used to call me Josh 1.6 because we finally we got 1.6 million when they watched the show Josh 1.6 I think Dancing with the Stars needs you back if they're going to put it on again but you, you didn't get along with the other judges so well did you Todd McKenney and you were always at ends with each other it wasn't that I didn't get along. I find personally that Todd's a very professional person. And, you know, what people don't see behind the scenes is Todd is very, he'll come into work and then he goes out of work. There was never a chance for me to go and have a beer with him and kind of like get to know him on a personal level. And Helen, I know that, you know, she's a very highly regarded uh, ballroom dancer. And here's me that's going to be a non-ballroom judge on the panel. So already she'd had her, you know, guard up that it was like, who's this little, you know, ballet boy coming in? to judge on my panel. If you ha want to hang out with Todd McKenney, you really, you, you got to have pingers go out all night and wake up in the park, don't you? <laughs> uh, I am covering my mouth and I I don't want to comment. Were you on the show when that happened? Um, Maybe you were the cause of that binge. No, I, I remember that that happened like in the news. Mm. I, I didn't know, I knew of Todd in the industry, but yeah. I mean, that's the lifetime ago for him. So, I mean, everyone probably makes mistakes. So you feel bad for him because anytime people, you know, it's funny when people talk to me in public and they're like, oh, you're that guy from Dancing with the Stars, not the one that got caught in the park. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like yeah, I'm not that one. But Oh, no. He's but, done some incredible stuff. Like the boy from Oz comes to mind is probably I, his greatest achievement, wouldn't it be? Yeah, absolutely. As I said, he is a huge professional. Like, he gets in, he does his job, and then he gets out. On the show, obviously, I don't know if they were trying to, like, razz up ratings. And, I mean, I got shocked one time when he, like, rebutted something that I was saying. So it kind of put me on guard. And I remember putting my hand up, like, as if to sort of, you know, say, talk to the hand, like, stop talking. And I think that just created the friction straight away. And then the media get hold of it. And then everyone, I remember Kyle and Jackie O one morning, we were having an interview and it was just Helen and I. And Kyle gets on, he's like, we've got Josh and Helen from Dancing with the Stars here. Helen, why do you guys hate Josh so much? And I like was like, fuck, I can't believe they're just like <laughs> gone straight in for that. Um, they don't muck around, Kyle and Jackie, do they? And, and if there is a little feud, they'll blow it out of proportion just to make it exciting for ratings. Well, it is exciting. I mean, I know when I drive and you listen to the radio and you hear like, there's a you know argument going on. I mean, look at the su success of all those shows like Real Housewives. Everyone loves a fucking bitch fight. It's really good. Um, mine didn't play out really that hard. It was just a definite vibe that they didn't like me. And you know, I but that's good. You know, you're the Simon Cowell of Dancing with the Stars. They needed you. Okay, and then they got rid of me. Yeah. <laughs> Losers, that's why it's not on anymore. But I mean, I love Sonia Kruger. She's a good mate of mine. I worked with her for years on Big Brother, but she was mates with Todd McKenney. So you, did you get along with her? I never really, no, I didn't. Because was it, it'd be if I had a best friend on the show mm. and then I didn't get, and you know, it's it's how human nature works. Yeah. You know, like if, you know, my I'm good mates with you now. If we worked on a show together, I'd be on your side, mm. regardless of, you know, what you feel with other people. She, yeah, I never really got to know her. She was very polite to me, but you know, 
again, never got to hang out and have a real good chin wag and a giggle and talk about our real lives. It was all just very professional. So, Best way to get to know Sonia Kruger, I find, is just go and sit in her dressing room and eat all her food because that's what I did for years on Big Brother. Really? <laughs> she used to have so much great food in her dressing room and I'd just sit in there with her and me and her makeup artist and we'd have the best time. She's such a cool chick. She's actually kind of inspirational to me, actually, because she took her career from being a ballroom dancer, which I relate to being a you know musical theatre, jazz, ballet dancer, yeah. and she really reinvented herself. You know, she became... She did radio as well. We talked. Yeah, but she she did have her struggles. Like for years, she was you know just a reporter, just you know looking for work, and she she got on as a, a TV presenter eventually. And I think Dancing with the Stars and uh, being in Strictly Ballroom was what shot her to fame in a big way. Yeah. But we all in this industry, we all have our ups and downs. Anyway, Dancing with the Stars is so long ago. Who gives a shit about that anymore? It's been canned. But Josh Horner is on fire. He's just been doing these incredible things in the states. Dance upon a dream. Tell us about that incredible thing. Oh, I want. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I wanted a way to kind of create a online portal. So I was judging a lot of dance competitions in America. And I found that when I was watching the kids, I was thinking, I wonder how the Aussies would like compete against, you know, people from America. And, you know, it's so expensive to fly over and try and go against and judge uh, to dance against these dancers. So I thought, what's an economical way? Create a website. Everyone uh, who does, or parents might know that if their kids do dancing, you get your routine videoed. Now you use your video from your local competition put it on youtube and then you can compete against everyone else around the country or in another country um on the portal dance upon a dream so it's basically a digital platform to kind of highlight excellent dancers and well, have you spotted a few excellent dancers over the years what uh, have you discovered okay we've discovered you know great ballet dancers my biggest surprise is looking at where the countries are getting the website like there was a bit like Tunisia and like Cayman Islands and Turkey, Istanbul, Italy, India. India, what happened in India, someone stole my logo for Dance Upon a Dream and put it and made a tuk-tuk out of it. So some <laughs> guy, a friend of mine sent me this picture. He goes, Josh, this is your business, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, there's a fucking tuk-tuk in India driving around promoting Dance Upon a Dream. And we get a lot of Indian videos. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things that I started not really knowing where I wanted to fully take it. And as social media is really evolving, I mean, video is so popular now, yeah. um, and especially live video. We should be filming this then. Yeah, we should, should have done that. <laughs> We're actually sitting in my uh, in my study. It's got uh, two mattresses up against the wall to make the sound decent. There's crap everywhere, a broken heater, and we're drinking cups of tea out of two tiki mugs. So I don't know if it would be that pleasing to the eye. I'm sitting here in boardies and a, a shoe. You look pretty good. Yeah, I'd got, at least I've got pants on for a change. Um. But we'll, we'll film it next time. Um, so Dance Upon a Dream is giving a start to so many great talents out there, looking, looking for the up-and-coming stars. Uh, what made you decide to do that? I wanted to have a bit of a mark in the industry, you know. Um, I wanted to be known for something good and positive within our industry. So I, the world's so small online, do you know. I mean, the reach that you can get just by being a keyboard warrior. I was fascinated that creating one little portal and now I have this thing called the Dance Upon a Dream Web Awards where we try and like honour the best of the web online of dance. And yeah, I mean, I would love to get like bigger sponsors to give like away shitloads of money, but uh, it's just an easy, cheap way. And especially, I always have this conscious effort to try and make things easy for parents because my parents paid so much money and drove me everywhere and really kind of do so much for me to have a great dance career. And so what my brain always thinks is how can I make it very economical for parents that are already forking out costume fees, 
entry fees, private lessons, buying the video. I mean, by the time you've done the routine, like you've spent over a grand anyway. So how can a poor person, or not a poor person, but like a struggling family, you know, fly their kid over to America to compete against the Americans or India? I just, it's so easy to do. You just film it at your local dance comp. And I've had like real country, like, you know, uh, Mildura, like mm. they're dancing in a community hall. Yeah. They video their routine and then they go against. And then I got all excited. My first year, I was like, everyone's going to win onesies and caps and T-shirts. and everything. So I went crazy and there was 44 categories that you could win. So as a businessman, I'm absolutely shit. So when all these winners were announced, I had to send all the prizes and I was sending like uh, onesies and merchandise to um, Canada to America and everything. and I actually spent more money like I didn't make it in fact it doesn't really make money I uh, was spending way more money on giving these kids their prizes than actually you know but, but you imagine the happiness that you bring to those little kids well, and the encouragement to make them follow their dreams well what I would do is I would email the parents and I would say film your child when they look at the website when the winners are announced because you've made it into the top five. I kind of lied, but I was just emailing all the winners. And so I got all these reaction videos of kids and that really, you know, money or no money, it absolutely made my heart so melting just to see that excitement that they had achieved something on a different level, you know, from their just local comps. And because they've won that, that's going to push them to follow their dreams and they'll be the next... I don't know, amazing Billy Elliot dancer or something like that. Yeah, well, that's the whole point of Dance Upon a Dream. You know, I always wanted to do everything within the dance dance world. And so now, you know, being a young dancer now, there's so many different areas you can go. You can do theme parks, you can do cruise ships, yeah. and there's so many different dance companies. So it's just a little bit more at their reach. But do you know what else has happened? Oh, my God, social media is weird. Now these... F- fucking kids are Instagram stars. So then they their social media is so high that they're getting all this dance products. Dance companies are like, you know, I saw in America for a Target commercial, they said, we're looking for dancers and you can only audition if you've got 10,000 or more followers. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So it's like a qualification, but you can buy followers. You get, you get on Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com and you can pay five bucks and some guy in India will just line up all these fake accounts and instantly give you 10,000 followers. But don't you lose them? No, you don't lose them. Yeah, you get, I know, like, I've got a friend who works in fashion and he was so excited the other day because he had this Instagram model and she's got 25,000 followers and look at how many likes she has on her photos. But she only had like 12 photos. So I thought I'd do a little bit of investigating here because that doesn't make sense. And every photo, like, she's hot, but she's like sucking her finger and it was a bit slutty. And I thought there's no way that she's really got that many followers because there weren't that many photos and it turns out that they were all fake accounts like you go through every single account and I was clicking on all the people and it said a private account private account private account and they're all these long Indian Chinese names there weren't anyone in Australia following us so I, I looked into it a bit further and on Fiverr and a few other websites like Airtasker you can pay people to set up some sort of account where you just instantly get followed. So a lot of people are starting to realize now that there's there's so many fake followers on Instagram. Well, I... I did the thing of where you try and like follow people and yeah. see if they follow you back. <laughs> I did that. Once I got over 10,000, I was like, all right, I'm going to calm a farm now. And now I look kind of impressive and hasn't really grown since. But That's good. But your, your interaction there, um, what do you call it? Is it brand interaction or integration? What do they say when people are commenting? What's that? Interaction. Interaction, inter- integration. It's interaction, but there's another word for it. Uh, it's really high. Like you're getting like for every photo, you're getting like three or 400 people liking it and yeah. lots of people commenting. Whereas some people will have like 10,000 followers and there's, there's no comments or anything like that. I, uh, that's very interesting you say that because I, I really am, I just try to entertain people on social media. There was a kid uh, that, you know, Dance Moms and Maddie Ziegler, who is the Sia dancer, you mm. know, the young girl. Yeah. Her sister, Mackenzie, uh, we had a friend in LA working on a photo shoot for her and her mum gives her a can of tomato soup and she said, Mackenzie, you have to like take a picture with this soup. That kid, she's got like 4 million followers. Mm took a picture with the can of soup and got $25,000 just from one picture of a can of soup. i got a couple of cases of Coors beer for posting me drinking some beer. <laughs> um, I don't get anything. I haven't, I haven't gotten anything free off social media. Nothing. Maybe I've, I've got a couple of fucking backlashes, like, you know, <laughs> get angry. 
Got in trouble, take that down. When you're working on, on TV, because I had it happen to me all the time, did you post stuff and they say, oh, you got to take that down? No. Okay, when I was on dancing, they were very, Channel 7 were like, they would like shut down your YouTube, shut down your Facebook, do not post anything. It was kind of this weird like moment where we weren't f- like doing Insta stories. It wasn't around then. So you weren't in the, the social media world. The no. only way to get Josh Horner was by watching Dancing with the Stars is what no. they were trying to do. I was... Okay, what what happened with Dancing with the Stars and Channel 7 and all the media stuff? I learned that if I did something quirky on a red carpet, like a fucking dance jump or something, <laughs> I would make it into confidential and yeah. that would like make you like kind of stand out in the public eye and in terms of the executives going who's out and about, who's who's, you know, current and hot. So, I did none of that. And it pisses me off too. Even in my ballet career, like back in the, you know, 1999 to 2004, I have no awesome like photos or video footage or anything of me in the ballet company because copyright, we weren't allowed to show anything. Really? These days, you can show everything. People, We have like, I've seen, you know, dance company members filming the show from the wings. Like they'll run off from dancing, grab their phone and start filming their friends dancing in the wing, like on stage. And even live video. I mean, people are going live everywhere right now. Shows are realizing that any way they can promote themselves is is good because it it'll encourage people well, to come and watch the show live. Absolutely. And you remember the old thing of like when you go to the theater, they would say absolutely no photos because it's you know distracting to the dancers. That's kind of bullshit. We love a photo. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that people, cameras are always being like held up in theaters now and stuff like that. It just you know you see curtain calls and you know, moments on stage where people are being filmed, you see it. It's really weird, you know. I, I, It's funny with YouTube. I, uh, When I was choreographing the Disneyland Parade, sorry to just drop that little curry highlight. I was getting there. Uh, sorry. I had to do a lot of research, and to do my research, I used YouTube and family vacation videos to see what the parades were like all around the world, especially yeah. within the Disney parks. So family vacation videos are fucking awesome for, like, doing uh, research. Mm. That's a good idea. Did you do the Disney shows for not just LA, but all over the world? No, I, I only, I've done three tier one productions. What's that mean? So basically, you know, if you're at Disneyland, you see some little like little show on the side, on the street. That's probably not a tier one. A tier one production is like a parade, like the big shows. So I've done three of them. One of them was World of Color, which is the water fountain show in Disney California Adventure. So how do you choreograph a water show? So I had to work with a lighting programmer and he gave, they gave me the whole soundtrack and I had to dance and I was dancing with fucking. Ikea curtains on my arms and pretending to be water yeah and what (laughs) happened well what happened was I would dance it was all a lot of trial and error stuff I would dance and then I would film myself and then I would play myself in reverse and it would look like water dancing oh wow that's cool is that still going now it's still going now yeah You'll be remembered forever as water. And then I'd choreograph Soundsational, which is the Disneyland parade, the daytime parade. Mm. <laughs> daytime. Um... <laughs> daytime? Nighttime. <laughs> so that's the uh, the parade that comes down the street at the end of the day and the light parade and all that kind yeah. of thing. I remember seeing it when I was a kid. Yes, that's me. I got to choreograph a whole one. Took three months. Uh, there's 10 units, so like diff- 10 different floats. And each, u- each unit is two and a half minutes long. So you need to create two and a half minutes of choreography but you as the viewer would only see about 20 seconds as it goes past you so it's very uh you know you might see a really like shitty bit of choreography and i'm like wait 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 there's a really good bit coming up but it's someone else is getting to see it down the street so i'm gonna go back and see it again yeah you need to kind of walk with the parade (laughs) to see what each unit looks like so i mean that was my that's my biggest proudest moment to know that you know out of disney history it's such a massive brand that everyone knows to know that uh little old me has made a part of history disney history that that's that's my parade that's really cool man congratulations what was it like working for disney uh they are a interesting bunch they've i found that they're not very good at making decisions so like we would be in meetings and they'll be like we're not sure what kind of red we want to have and i'm like just pick red red just pick it that's a red good do it yeah and sometimes yeah they wouldn't be able to make a decision and we'd wait weeks to get an answer and i'm I'm very quick and use your gut instinct and that's what we're trained for. Just like, that's it. We're going to use that color or that choreography or that costume. I loved it because I was allowed to play with 
a like million dollar parade like it's fun to play with someone else's money and then if they don't like it you're just the consultant so you can just walk out and ah. yeah what's interesting though is once you've choreographed the parade once opening day happens you aren't allowed to come back at all and like say anything they have maintenance choreographers come in and they learn it and then what? they uh-huh so over the years i've kind of seen the choreography change a little bit and i'm not allowed to say boo i'm not allowed to say anything i just watch it but it's funny when i go i would i i got another job at disney uh being for Disney Performing Arts. And when the kids see me in the park hiding behind a palm tree, like watching the parade, they all shit themselves. They're like, can you see them mouthing, Josh is here, Josh is here, Josh is here. <laughs> are you really hard on them, are you? Do you say, oh. you look like a bedazzled sack of potatoes, um, Mickey Mouse? What are you trying to do? I, I'm very hardworking, so I did a lot of research before I choreographed the parade, and I realised what type of kids are going to be performing these Disney parades, especially the one in Anaheim. And I wanted to make the parade quite difficult because as dancers once you get show fit like it's kind of like everyone that goes to work you get good at your job and you can get or like a factory worker you get faster and faster and faster so i wanted the dance to be really kind of difficult so the dancers were challenged a lot and yeah they were like when it first started rehearsals they were like oh shit you're hardcore and i was very you know demanding of how i wanted the choreography done i made one boy cry i remember in the chimney sweeps i made it really i made it intricate and tricky choreography and one boy just broke down and cried one day because i was just yelling how old was he oh my god he was like 19 oh well that's all right let him cry you made him a better dancer yeah oh yeah he's nice to me now so (laughs) what's your favorite dance move Oh, shopping trolley? No, it's a fan kick. So basically, <laughs> think of it, it's a fan kick. You kick your leg kind of like in a sort of semi-circular motion because you give love to everyone. You give love to people over onto your left and then oh. up up into the, you know, the the nosebleeds where, yeah. yeah. Love and everywhere. Yeah, you get to give them a love everywhere. Especially if you're wearing a dress with no undies. Hello. What's your favourite show that you've done? Favourite show? Uh, you know what? It's a split between moving out and a chorus line. A chorus line was fun. Actually, no, Dirty Dancing was fun. We felt like we were drunk every night. Really? Yeah. Why? Because I was my first musical and we would, like, have so much fun, literally the time of our lives. You would, like, go... I've had yeah. the time of our lives. Yeah, and then you'd, like, you know, everyone loves the movie and so the music's so good in the show and you would go out for a few drinks afterwards and, you know, you might have to do a matinee the next day and sometimes the lights, you feel a little bit like buzz still from the night. But that would that would look good. It looked like you guys all got chemistry and you're all having fun together on stage the the original cast we loved it we had real it was a real time of my life yeah it was good that's so cool and did any of the actual original people from the movie come and see the show no but the writer eleanor bergstein she came out to like you know teach us or she was writing the show um which we think she's baby but then there's a conspiracy that Ah. they think that her husband wrote the show Mm. And she didn't, but that's just our little... Nobody puts baby in a corner. Yeah. It was very interesting to get those first-hand stories too. Like when we were working, she'd be like, when we were filming with Patrick and she'd tell you all these intricate small stories, like uh, when they were filming the lift in the water, the dirty dancing lift in the water. So they're on like a stage. They put a full, they sunk a stage into the water. So you think they're like standing like in the water, but they're actually on a stage. Yeah. I thought he was just really strong and able to balance on underwater underwater logs or something. No, he's just short, so that was... He needed a stage. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's cool. And so working on those kind of shows, you're doing the same performance every night. Does it get a bit monotonous? Absolutely. I would find people in the audience. I was so naughty. Like I would find like people that I thought were hot in the audience, and I kind of like, if I could get their eye, I'd be like, see me at stage door. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. You would actually eye people while you were dancing and say, meet me at stage door. And did anyone meet you at stage door? Yeah, a few. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I... I, I remember a lot of times, I mean, I had come out of a relationship and I left the ballet and it was my first musical. So I was like in like party mode. I was just in living my life to the fullest. And and yeah, I would yeah be naughty. I, I remember I went to see Cirque du Soleil in Vegas and one of the dancers threw their business card at me. No. And I've gone, oh, cool. And, and I looked at the business card and it was actually a dude. Oh, <laughs> so I wasn't. Well, I wasn't. Dude. I wasn't really that excited about meeting up with him after the show. Well, you could have had a good night. You might have been the master of your ring. <laughs> oh, come on! <laughs> hey, so what's what's the future hold for Josh Horner? What are you going to do now? You're in Australia. I need to keep doing what I was doing, which is I like to entertain people. I want to make sure that I try and. Uh, 
I want to really unleash my TV personality persona. Mm. There's a huge part of me as well that wants to have a normal life. I also would like to just maybe settle down and have just a nine to five job. But I do know what my personality is like that I need to have a creative outlet. I would love to like bump up the theme park world here in terms of entertainment and shows. I would love to create maybe a an Australian spectacular show like kind of versus the Rockettes in New York. Like there's so many Aussie dancers that kind of get stuck out of work all the time. And if I could create some sort of iconic masterpiece that plays regularly and it's like an it's something that dancers can aspire to to try and get into. Because a lot of us dancers, they would try and go overseas to find... I mean, I'm a classic example. We all go overseas to try and have our careers when really there's so many fucking talented dancers here in this country that I would love to house it somewhere. Um, but that's also changing the audience. I mean, I had this idea that to really bump up halftime shows at the footy mm. because we're such a sports-loving you know, country that if I could start to implement like more like performance and halftime stuff and bump up those halftime shows with masses of dancers and stuff, it would start to maybe change the Aussie uh, mentality of you know going to shows. But actually, Sydney very right now is really big with like theatre. They like love theatre theatre right now yeah theatre's going off but yeah come to the basketball and get the Sydney Kings cheer girls going yes I want to kick a leg with a cheer girl yeah that'd be fun up in Queensland they've got the Aussie Outback Outback Spectacular okay so I mean they've got horses in that show don't they yeah yeah and there's movie world sea world dream world wet and wild you could do a million shows with all those places I don't I don't know any of them where they actually do any dance shows, but this is the thing. that's why they need one. Well, you know, you think about pop stars, they always have backup dancers. I have this dream that I would love to I make. Dream. Well, make dancers the forefront, like make it, oh my God, I'm going to see a great dance show. I'm not going to see someone sing and then all these great dancers behind them, you know. I would love to swap that mentality if I could. I also would like to create ALF, the musical. ALF, like, yes. like the TV show about the alien puppet. Yes. So basically the family have all grown up. I'm like, I shouldn't really release this idea, should I? But the family have all grown up mm. and ALF returns and he's like, what the fuck have you done to this earth and all that? <laughs> and so it's it's a musical that can keep evolving, like with current political climate and a very... Alf the musical. Yeah, and basically would be awesome because you'd have some person in that Alf costume and just a, an offensive, funny musical. We do live in a weird world, don't we? With Donald Trump, you know, the orange-haired, fag-tan, orangutan freak from Celebrity Apprentice is the yeah. president. You've got the Jenna dude is now a woman and, and, yeah. and there's so many strange things going on in this world you know yeah Alf would love it Alf would love it it's kind of scary isn't it I mean coming back to Sydney the vibe is really I don't know we as Aussies we're we're pretty fucking cool I miss having a laugh at it, taking the piss out of yourself. You know, that's what's nice about Australia. Over there in America, I'm just worried about everyone fighting each other. And, you know, it takes one dickhead that's, you know, Trump to unleash everyone and give them permission to be assholes to each other again. Yeah, as much as he's being arrogant and he's got to save the country and make America great, I can see good things that he's doing in ways of saying, you know, he wants to get rid of all the usual payoffs that happen in, in government and you know, they say that it's still going on, but who knows? But the one thing that I hate about Trump is the fact that people are using it as an excuse to be racist or the, the uh-huh. Ku Klux Klan are saying, oh, you know, since Trump's come along, we can do what we want. But they can't. I mean, there's there's laws to stop people from being racist and committing hate crimes. But it is unfortunately empowering those kind of freaks over there. What did you feel like in America? I've... Well, you just look at Facebook. I mean, people with phones now are just filming every little moment that happens. What I found traveling in America is people are fighting on planes out of control right now. Why are they fighting on planes? Because if, you know, you're traveling and someone's wearing, you know, a hijab or whatever, it just sparks them. It takes one little thing for someone to, like, start a huge, massive fight. Homophobic stuff's happening. It's actually our own fault. I think we're also the product of our own disaster that we are showing each other like naughty videos of like people being nasty and evil to each other and we're kind of like finding that that's okay and we watch it it's just very sad i mean and also like you see some of the the horrible things of like gay people being thrown off buildings i mean yeah, I mean, that, that's in, you know, countries in the Middle East where Shira law is in effect and not just Shira law, but it's a, a very full-on version of it where, you know, it's illegal to be gay and, and they do, they throw them off buildings. It's 
fucked up. It is really fucked up. Mm. But let's not bring the podcast down, will we? We're not, we're not here to talk about political events. We're here to talk about Josh Horner, celebrity, dancer, MC, superstar. And, yeah. and you're an amazing human being. And it, I'm so glad that we're friends. And I'm glad you're back in Australia because we can hang out and go to random events like the Twinings event on a boat last night yes. where Carrie Bickmore won the best female artist and got four cents from every Twinings box for the next four years to go to a charity, Beanies for Brain Cancer. Which is fantastic. And there was a she she got inspired. Why? Because she wanted to be a dancer. Yes. And she because she had a ballerina as her artwork on the Twinings box. Well, no, that look, that box, I mean that picture mm. was uh it's inspired by a picture of her when she was thirteen. Oh, is it a good picture of a ballet poise? <laughs> Um, well, if we want to be technical here on, you know, let's judge a Twinings box, uh, she could turn her back leg out in arabesque a little bit better and she could hold her back up. But hey, it's Carrie Bickmore and we all yeah. love her. Did so. you meet her? I saw her. I wanted to say hello, but everyone was all over her. Yeah, I got to meet her briefly and then she shot through. She seemed lovely and, and it's a great cause. And I really thought Nicole Kidman would win because Nicole Kidman's got 10 million likes on her Facebook and she's the only one who actually painted her box. Or painted her artwork, which which went on the Twinings box. Why do you don't put the mic in front of you? Do you say that she just painted a box? Well, she did. She painted a box. She painted a um a uh, Waratah on her box, or on on the artwork Stop. that they put on the Twinings box. Kidman's the Waratah. Yes. I'm sorry, but that was fucking shit. Yeah, you didn't like it. Well, what about the um the Aboriginal painting for Samantha, is Samantha Harris? No. Yep. Sam yes. Harris. Yeah. Sam Harris. Beautiful. I mean, Aboriginal print. Uh, Ab- Aboriginal print in a teal. Mm. Very pretty. It was really cool. And uh, oh, you know what? what? She should do a towel range. I would buy an Aboriginal print towel range that in teal. It'd be beautiful for your bath. And, and Emma, Emma Friedman, the um, the the TV host, she did one as well, which was well, oh, the beachy but one. The thing is, with Emma Friedman, Carrie Bickmore, and um, Samantha Harris. Oh. Was all, was all inspired by them, and they said what they wanted on the tea box. But Nicole Kidman was the only one that actually hand painted it. You're kidding! I thought they all hand painted them. No, that's that's what was a little bit of annoying to me. I shouldn't say this because I was there hosting part of the event. But I, 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 to be honest, I voted for Nicole Kidman as much as you thought it was crap. I thought Nicole Kidman's was, was the best. It was basically a teal box with this big red blotchy waratah on it. <laughs> I thought it was great. Uh, no. You know what? She'll probably auction it off for millions of dollars anyway. Yeah. What, what do they do with the other boxes that aren't being used? Are they still- uh, um, I, I, I'm not sure. I think... Oh, no, they'll just still sell them. They'll still sell them in the shops. But we went uh, to this... Basically, it was the big announcement last night on a boat called the Sydney Death Star. Or was it, it's a big glass thing that cruises the around Death the harbour. The, the Sydney cruise ship. What is it called? I don't know what it is. The Starship. The Starship, that's right. Nothing's going to stop us now. <laughs> and if this world runs out of lovers, we'll still have each other. Nothing's going to stop us. Nothing's going to stop us now. Oh. Sorry. Uh, we digress. Mannequin is one of my favourite 80s movies. Uh, and Starship's one of my favourite 80s bands. Yeah. Um, so we cruised around on this boat up to the Cockatoo Island cliffs and they projected all the artwork from all the four celebrity contestants onto the cliffs and then they announced that Carrie Bickmore was the winner. We all got drunk and then came back to shore and you and I went out to dinner with a mate of mine, Ray, and my girlfriend, Bianca. We went to a place called Hubert's, which is this amazing restaurant. If you're in Sydney, you've got to try it. It's in Bly Street. What do you think? Oh, literally, I did not even know I was in Sydney. Walking in, I were going down that spiral staircase, going down and down and down, and it reveals literally a world that you don't even know is under the ground. It was pumping. It had the live band. It was smooth jazz and fun. Actually, it wasn't real jazz jazz. It was actually just like cool singers. It felt like we were in New York. Fully New York City vibe. Pumping atmosphere, people everywhere, you know, waiters and waitresses walking around, people taking our jackets off us and getting us drinks. The food was like Red Rooster a la carte. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, got, we didn't get it for free. We actually paid. I know this sounds like an ad, but if you're in Sydney, you have to go there. And Thursday nights, they have that jazz band. Yep. So good. good. I don't know what they're called, but you know we were screaming and yelling all the way through dinner because we thought they were brilliant. Um, so go and try it in Bly Street in Sydney, Hubert's. 
Um, mate, thank you so much for being on the mic. Um, tell us about all your social media so people can follow all your oh, crazy escapades. It's easy. I, I'm, I'm across the board. I'm Joshua J. Horner. So the letter J, not the word J-A-Y, even though my middle name is J. But it's Joshua J. Horner. My brother's name's J, J-A-Y. Really? It's a good name, isn't it? It's fun when you play the game. Do you want to guess my middle name? Guess what letter it starts with. And they go, J. And you're like, mm. And they're like, John. They already said it. I was like, you've already said it, yeah. (laughs) Well, mate, thank you so much for coming all the way down to Bondi and getting on the mic. Yeah. Now it's time to really get on the mic. (laughs) Let me go. No, get your hands off me. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. Can you do something for my mum before we go? Oh, for your mum, what? I want you to do, because she loves Big Brother, can you go, today in the house, Josh did a podcast with Mike, or something like that. What's your mum's name? Cheryl. It's 4pm in the Big Brother house, and Cheryl is on her way to the bathroom. She doesn't need to do anything in particular. She's just put her iPhone on so that she can listen to Josh and Mike doing the latest podcast. Cheryl is up for eviction this week. The housemates, unbeknownst to her, call her feral Cheryl. (laughs) Sorry, Cheryl. I love that. She's going to love that. Please, we need. I'm going to get that to her. I need to do that. You know what I need? I need a card. I need a Mike Goldman card that when we open the card, that fucking plays. Hello, Cheryl. <laughs> Hello, Cheryl. Hey, thank you, Cheryl, for listening. Thank you, Josh, for listening. Thank you to my mum, Erica, for listening. And anyone else who's listening out there, don't forget, subscribe on iTunes Podcasts and give us a, a little review. We've only had like two reviews. We'd love a review. Actually, if you give a review... Send us a message and uh, Josh will give a free dance lesson and I will give a free bottle of wine. How's that sound? (laughs) You got the easy one. (laughs) All right, I'll give you a dance lesson too. All right, nice one. Thank you, goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to On The Mic with Mike Goldman. Subscribe, download and review at iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher or your favourite podcasting app. For more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.